This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Penguin Computing sold to holding company. And Mare Nostrum Supercomputer gets IBM Upgrade. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. Michael, we knew we'd be getting some news heading into the ISC conference. I wasn't necessarily expecting this one, though, as... Penguin Computing, a company we've been familiar with for a long time in the HPC space, has now been acquired by Smart Global Holdings. Yeah, I mean, Penguin is is one of those companies, HPC vendors, that's been around for a while. It started uh, 20 years ago, um, and it's one of the stalwarts in the HPC OEM space. So this was a bit of a surprise, and uh, it's basically the... The last really decent-sized HPC cluster vendor that I can think of that was operating independently in the U.S., so a bit of a milestone in that sense. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, some of the details on the deal, there's a guaranteed purchase price of $60 million for Penguin Computing here with options of increasing that by another $25 million to $85 million total, depending on Penguin hitting certain undisclosed profit uh, targets over the next uh, coming year. So it's a deal of up to $85 million. And as part of the deal, Smart Holdings, uh, which seems to primarily have memory technologies and operate out of Brazil, although the holding company is headquartered officially in the Cayman Islands, um, they've said that Penguin is going to continue to operate as an independent subsidiary. So it's not clear to me how much difference the end user community will actually see here. It seems to be motivated on the Penguin side by just getting better access to capital and, and having ability to grow. Yeah, from the smart side, if we can sort of believe uh, the little information they've put into their press release, they're looking at it as sort of to get a foothold in the uh, AI slash machine learning market. They think they can leverage some of their uh, their specialty memory products in uh, what Penguin builds um, in their HPC uh, product portfolio and and get a wedge into a better wedge into that AI market. Now, um, how that's going to occur exactly, they they really don't go into, but that's what they're sort of looking at. They don't really mention HPC. Uh, much at all in the press release. So it seems like that's Smart's main area of interest as far as Penguin goes. Yeah, and Penguin has been growing in this respect. Uh, they have their Tundra line that they sell both as an HPC line uh, and the liquid cooled systems there had a big DOD win not too long ago. Uh, and they also uh, have OCP configurations that they sell into hyperscale. They were reporting some growth, although it's not a, a huge company still. And uh, they have audited results that are now being made public as part of the acquisition because Smart Holdings is a public company that report Penguin is having $166.5 million in revenue for 2017. In honesty, that's a little lower than we thought they were, um, but we always had to estimate them as a as a private company. It's not dramatically lower, but it's a little lower than we thought they were. Um, and uh, even if all of that were HPC system revenue, that would put them at about 
uh, 1.4% of the total HPC system market. In reality, I think some of that is hyperscale, and they're probably about 1.2% of the market. But that hyperscale represents a potential growth opportunity for the company, and that might be what Smart is looking at here, not only the, the potential profits from just growing the company naturally, but if Penguin is going to be selling more into hyperscale, especially if it's well-funded to do so, and can carry the memory technologies from smart holdings into some of those uh, deals, there could be synergy here beyond just the straightforward purchase. Yeah, it, it does sound like that's sort of what's, what they have in mind. Now, I mean, the hyperscale companies, they they tend to use ODMs and other sort of contract uh, manufacturers to build the volume of their hyperscale infrastructure. So I'm not sure what role or what the actual value add here is for something like this, but maybe the, they've come up with some strategy or have something in mind here that they can do that with. I mean, their specialty memory products, um, some of which are are custom made for the vendors that Smart deals with now. Maybe there's some um, there's some tactic there that can be uh, extended to the the hyperscale slash cloud space. Uh, that that's definitely a possibility. I'm not sure how much you know Penguin does in that space right now. I mean, they haven't released, as far as I know, any any press releases on any of those deployments. But those hyperscale companies tend to be a little circumspect about uh, public announcements of deployment. Um, and and Penguin has been limited as to what they can talk about here. They were previously a private company, and now they're right. essentially under a gag order as this is, is going through. So we're left to speculate from what we have in the publicly facing materials. The other thing that we can dig into, of course, is some of the numbers, because at first read, this looks like a, a real bargain for smart holdings to spend only 60 to $85 million on a company that's doing $166.5 million in revenue as of the the last fiscal year. Um, now, you point out in your article on top500.org that this presumably also includes the acquisition of roughly $30 million in debt uh, that Penguin secured relatively recently. So you can tack that onto the purchase price and put it up to the around the $100 million figure. Even so, that's a bargain compared to 166. And they also report a gross profit of $30.4 million. But that's gross profit. That's not net profit. And their net income on that in fiscal year 17 was only $5.9 million. And if you look at the gross profit of 30.4, that's a gross profit margin of under 20%. It's only in the 18% range. So um, clearly there's something that, that SMART is going to want to do with the cost structure here to try to increase the profit margin of this company. And that's why there's an incentive in the in the purchase price, price of the deal to achieve certain profit targets over the next coming years. Yeah, and that that uh, thirty plus million in in borrowed money that Penguin took out just a few months ago was supposedly to increase their manufacturing capability because they saw increased growth in their in their customer base. Now they didn't quite go into where all those customers were spread, but um, presumably that that investment was was justified for that. So I think they were looking at a growing base, whether that be HPC or hyperscale or whatever. Um, so that's the good news now. Yeah, it's, it sounds like with that sort of low uh, net income uh, margin, it, 
yeah, there might be some some retraction in 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 uh, the number of employees they're going to hold, but maybe they can just grow out of it. They're doing well from Q1 to Q1 from 2017 to 2018, so maybe they can just grow out of uh, that for this year and onward. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens going forward. They are going to be able to operate independently, but now uh, under the new under the new smart holdings, they won't uh, they won't be managed independently anymore. Okay, well, Michael, moving out of the mergers and acquisitions talk and getting to another HPC deployment, uh, one that was noteworthy that happened this week in HPC is we saw a couple of racks of IBM Power 9 and V100 from NVIDIA, very like the Summit supercomputer configuration, get added to the Mari Nostrum supercomputer at Barcelona Supercomputing Center. Yeah, this is actually three new racks of those IBM servers. And yeah, like you said, these are very similar to the uh, the Summit uh, IBM servers with the uh, Power 9s and V100 GPUs. And now they're a little bit different. They have less GPUs. They have only four per per node instead of the six in Summit. And the, uh, the core count on the P Power 9s are a little bit less as well. So they're not quite as as big and brawny as the summit servers, but the same, uh, the same architecture, the same server, uh, and they've only got three racks. So, but even those three racks, uh, up Smear Nostrum's total capacity by, uh, about uh, 1.5 petaflops in those three racks. That's a, that's a good increase. Now keep in mind that the base system for Amir Nostrum 4 is Lenovo, um, Xeon-based system. So adding this, uh, what I would call subcluster, doesn't necessarily increase sort of the application capability of of that base system very easily. It's just something they've networked into their larger system with a totally different architecture. Yeah, totally different architecture is right. The first thing to like about this is that is that it does give IBM and NVIDIA this additional win along with Summit. We talked on our last podcast on This Week in HPC about that Summit supercomputer mm-hmm. and what it might mean for IBM and NVIDIA and whether they could replicate that with uh, with other installations outside of Department of Energy and getting a win at Barcelona Supercomputing Center certainly fits the bill with that. It's another nice high-profile win uh, it's in Europe, heading into ISC, and, and there's a lot of good there. And, and you get great comments from uh, Matteo Valero, talking about who's the director at, at BSC, talking about how this will give them the, the ability to add a lot of HPC and AI capabilities. But then on the flip side of that, you're right. I, I don't really see this as an expansion of the Mari Nostrum supercomputer, it, much as it it really just looks like a separate system. Yeah. Uh, you've got this all Intel environment that had been a, a big win for Lenovo and Intel, of course, to have uh, this all Intel architecture with the Xeons and the OmniPath and, and these big wins for Lenovo. Now you've got this other architecture here, which there's nothing wrong with that. But even if you could pack one run across the whole thing, I think there are going to be very few applications that make use of both of those subclusters, as you call them, simultaneously. Yeah, and there's really little reason to do so. A lot like, uh, like the director said, the the new uh, IBM racks are going to be used mainly, I think, for AI and data analytics type of uh, 
uh, work and production, see how that operates on the system. I, I don't think they're going to mix applications across these subclusters. And we've got to remember, this is actually the first two, or this is the second of of at least three uh, types of systems that are going to go into Marinostrum for the next one uh, is going to be the ARM system from Fujitsu. They're going to uh, Fujitsu is building the uh, the ARM vector processor for their post K exascale system, and uh, Marinostrum is going to get a subcluster based on those processors and those servers uh, sometime whenever those uh, become available, probably in the next couple of years. And they and then Marinostrum originally was going to actually add a Knights Hill cluster from from Intel with the new Xeon Phi's. But since Intel abandoned Knights Hill, it's not certain what they're going to do for that fourth cluster, if anything. But uh, supposedly they were going to have these four different architectures in the same, um, under the same name, under the same network, and and go forward with that. Now there's going to be, it looks like three and possibly four, and and we'll just see how that shakes out, uh, depending upon what Intel does. I'm glad you mentioned the ARM components coming in. I think this will be another hot topic of conversation at ISC this year. Um, We saw some of the ARM results coming out of that GW4 alliance from Bristol with the Eisenbard supercomputer that were presented by Simon McIntosh Smith at the most recent CUG conference, the Cray User Group. And uh, as Fujitsu moves forward with its plans as well, and you've got Cavium with Thunder X2 out there, uh, I think we're going to get a lot more ARM talk here. But in the context of BSC, again, that strikes me as another separate node. It it can be under the Mari Nostrum envelope, but but I think that's really a separate uh, HPC system. But then finally, I'll say I loved getting this news out of Barcelona because I recently read Dan Brown's newest novel called Origin. He's the author of The Da Vinci Code and others. And if you're a fan of supercomputing and of Barcelona, uh, you might find some things to like in that newest novel. (laughs) Okay, we'll try and catch that. Yeah, this is uh, interesting news. And Barcelona's really doing an, an interesting system up there. Nobody else is quite doing anything like this. So uh, it's it's still in progress. We'll see how it turns out. It, it sounds like it's going to be in flux at least for a couple more years. But uh, yeah, by the time we get to ISC, maybe we'll hear a little bit more about what uh, what they're doing. All right, Michael. Well, we got one more week before ISC, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And this time at ISC, we're going to have a couple of live podcasts from the show floor. We'll talk about that when we get to an ISC preview. Sounds good. All right, Michael, thanks a lot, and thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.